0: Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment podcast with the team at Mach 1 Financial Group. The Mach 1 Market Moment podcast starts now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mach 1 Market Moment. I'm Mark Haywood alongside Kyle Alexander, Mach 1 Financial Group. He is a retirement income planning specialist serving you in Northwest Arkansas. And as always, you can find past podcasts and more great information about the firm online at mock-onefinancial.com. That's mock-onefinancial.com. Mock-the number one, not written out. Mock-onefinancial.com. And with that, Kyle, hello, and welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, Mark. Man, it's great to talk to you again. And uh, all I can say is... The day's almost over. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We are
0: recording this particular podcast on a Friday, and so we're both kind of jonesing to get home for the weekend. Uh,
1: You know, I'm just going to throw this out there. Today we are not live, and uh, I'm sorry for that, but it's early, (laughs) so (laughs) we're going to do this one. In a pre-recorded fashion, but it doesn't take away from the content, right? That's right. I've got to get down
0: to the beach, but not before we talk about oh, financial planning in some
1: areas of retirement. Man, I didn't get an invitation. What are you talking about? Maybe hey, next right? time. Next time. There'll be more
0: opportunities, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> well, you know, the closest beach to me is uh, up in Bella Vista. They just put in some sand around one of the lakes up there, man. It's pretty nice, though. It, it just isn't very large. <laughs> yeah, not, it's not quite the same, is it? No, not not your beaches for sure. Not quite the same.
0: Well, before I head out to the beach, how about we talk a little bit about your finances and your financial life? Kyle, I want to talk about assumptions. You know what happens when you assume, right? Something we can't say on this podcast.
1: Yeah, my dad told me that when I was of age. I think I was 16 or 17, and I've never forgotten it. So it must be a generational thing. Uh Yes,
0: yes. So you need to be careful of making assumptions about certain areas of retirement planning before you really know the facts, right? Some of these assumptions could be correct, but they could just as likely be wrong. I want to go through some of the assumptions that we hear. Maybe the first one being a Roth IRA will save you money in the end. Or I guess the opposite view is that a traditional IRA will save you money. Why is that a risky assumption?
1: You know, that's the whole key word and it is the assumption. And I think a lot of people make assumptions about their financial situation without actually taking time to understand the facts, do the math, and, uh, and really evaluate their own unique circumstances. Because, you know, the answer for you as an individual could be the Roth IRA is going to save you money, or it could be that that's not the case. And unless you actually sit down, take some time to think about it, or maybe even reach out to uh, you know a professional who does this for a living and ask that question, you might make a pretty serious error for uh, the future of your financial situation, and and maybe could have saved a lot more money doing it the way that that best suits you and your given. Situation. So now that I've said all that, right? I mean, everybody goes, "Oh gosh, that's another one of those that depends." Answers. Well, it does. So let me go through a couple of different scenarios to help you understand a little bit better, because we've got very intelligent listeners, and and it doesn't take much to say, "Oh yeah, okay, that makes sense." So first of all, I mentioned doing the math. So of course, I want you to do the math before making an assumption either way on whether the Roth IRA is the best way to go, or the traditional IRA is the best way to go to save you money. So how do you do the math? Well, that can be multiple different ways. And I say that because there are different tax implications based on what income bracket you're in, also what age you might actually be at the given time that you start doing a Roth or what have you, and I'll talk about that in a minute and then of course where you are in terms of your retirement horizon and how much money you're saving so there's a lot of variables that go into that math now that i've said that let me just say the first scenario so young people and i'm talking about people age i'll just go ahead and say 18 to 35 i'm just going to use that as a range so those are the young people that i'm talking about and a lot of those folks have their highest earning potential years ahead of them and so what's interesting about that is In most cases, a Roth will almost always make the most sense. And I'm going to tell this story, and I won't use the name because he's a great friend of mine and actually one of my best friend's dads from high school. And uh, he gave me some of the best advice I I ever received. I was probably 16 or something like that, and he said to me, hey, you might want to consider, as soon as you get your first job, putting some money away in a Roth IRA. And I thought, what in the world is this guy talking about? And what does a Roth IRA even mean? And he was kind enough to kind of show me a couple things he had printed off from his employer. And, of course, I was an inquisitive guy who liked finance already. And I read through it and I was like, oh, my gosh, this makes so much sense. And I did that. I did exactly what he asked me to do. Now, I didn't have much money to do it with. And, of course, investments I got weren't all that great. But fact of the matter is I got in the habit of of doing it, doing the, the contributions to a Roth. And I never got out of that habit. And so the reason I say all that is to say all that money that I put away early on in, in my career, in my life, is now tax-free, okay, when I retire. So I pay taxes on that little bit of money when I put it in. I didn't really miss it. And as I take it out, when I reach 59 and a half, I won't owe any taxes. And all that compound interest for all these years, you know, they, they've been building on it. And so that's a pretty impressive mathematical problem if you can pull that off. Now, again, I didn't put much away early, a few dollars here and there, but compound interest is truly one of the seven wonders of the world, right? And, and it's amazing what even a little bit of money can become, especially when there's no taxes for your gains along the way and no taxes when you take the money out. Now, we talked about Ross, and that really does serve a purpose in your – younger years because typically once you uh, don't remember the exact number for 2018, but I think it's around $185,000 is the maximum combined joint income you can have and contribute directly to a Roth. Okay. So again, there's another math problem in there and understanding how much you make, you and your wife make, and how much you can contribute. But if you're underneath that threshold, you can contribute $5,500 a year to a Roth each of you. So, you and your spouse, if you're under that threshold, for a total of $11,000. That's a pretty good chunk of savings when you're young. Kind of hard to come up with that amount of money, actually, when you're younger. And so, if you don't have that much, that's fine. Do what you can, and it will make an enormous difference in your future. And as time goes on, the issue is clearly this. Compound interest is your friend and you have nothing but time on your side when you're 20 or 21 in your first job. So there's that. Now let's talk about part number two. What happens when you're, let's say, 35 to 48 and you are in your, you know, pretty decent income range, you're, you're making good money for the first time in, in, in your life probably, and you have a little more money to put away. Well, the threshold is still the same. But the likelihood is if you and your wife are professionals and you're both working, you might be over that magic threshold of $185,000, right? I mean, I don't know, Mark. I mean, that around here seems to be a magic number, you know, in your 40s when both spouses work. So I don't know. It might be different for different people. But I will tell you that it doesn't hurt to put away money in your traditional IRA, even if the math doesn't initially work over the long haul because in those earlier years where you can't actually meet the threshold for a Roth and contribute directly, but you could perhaps do it with a traditional IRA, even if you don't get the tax deduction by doing it in a traditional IRA, there's a nice little, we'll call it, window that you can convert money from your traditional IRA into a Roth. And if you don't want to collect too much money in that traditional IRA solution over the course of years and have that huge tax burden, both with your 401k and your traditional IRA, when you start taking money out after 59 and a half, it might not hurt you to start making that conversion solution work for you. So what do I mean about a conversion? So money that's in a traditional IRA can be converted to a Roth IRA. And all you have to do is make sure you pay the taxes on that conversion. And you collect all the right documentation. It always helps to have a professional assist you with that transition. But I think it's something that most most advisors can easily do for you. But make sure you do the math, though. Maybe with a CPA or a financial uh, guru, whoever it is you work with, so you don't get in a situation where you are going to be paying a ton of taxes or create a a tax problem for yourself at the end of the year. So that would be my caution in doing a, uh, you know, traditional IRA to Roth conversion. Because again, that's a unique situation where a specific math problem needs to be completed based on your unique circumstances and, and your income. So that's not a bad plan though. And the reason I say that is because let's say you're 36 when you make some of these conversions. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you know, it's not too terribly expensive to pay the taxes on, let's call it $5,500 or whatever it is, to let it become a, a Roth. Or you can even convert $50,000 in one shot if you wanted to from a traditional IRA to Roth. But your tax implications on that are going to be significant. But fast forward and the math becomes real challenging, right? Because let's say you're 36 when you're doing this. And all of a sudden now you're 63, And all that money that you piled into your traditional IRA is now taxable. Every dollar that you pull out, you got the tax deferment opportunity, and you might have even gotten a tax deduction on those contributions along the way. But now you have to pay the government. They want their money, right, with a traditional IRA. So if tax rates go up, which chances are pretty good, since we're at traditional low tax rates in the history of this federal republic, then you could actually be in a higher tax bracket if you're 35 today and 65 and you know, however many years it is when you retire than you are today. And and that could cost you a lot of money. So that's why I think it's really important to, uh, to have somebody help you with that math and determine exactly what that impact is going to look like. So let me finish up by saying the the last piece of this puzzle is as follows. Sometimes by foregoing a tax break that comes with a traditional IRA contribution can lead to some detrimental consequences, but there are still some cases where you're going to be better off to take the tax hit now and either contribute to Roth directly or indirectly through a conversion. And I just advise folks who are thinking about this to sit down with somebody who understands it, CPA, financial professional, and get some good advice so those accurate projections can be conducted for you. And it might make a really big difference in the outcome and the lifestyle that you have in your retirement. So there's my nickel's worth of information about that idea. And I sure hope you guys who are listening take advantage of of this amazing tool that the IRS has given you to save money for retirement.
0: Well, I don't know about a nickel's worth, Kyle. I'd like to think
1: it's worth (laughs) a little more than that, right? Thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's nice (laughs) of you to say. You know, hey, with a nickel. A penny, a dime that you don't throw away is money you got for retirement, right?
0: That's right, that's right. And it's always important to pick up wisdom along the way. Kyle, yeah. another bad assumption that a lot of folks make when talking about Social Security, they make this assumption that delaying Social Security, if possible, will yield the most income over the long haul. Why is that just that,
1: an assumption? Yeah, man, this is one of those things where it, you know, it depends, right? So maybe, maybe not. You know, For some people, waiting to take... Social Security is the wrong thing to do. And honestly, if you knew how long you were going to live, you could actually calculate when to take Social Security, right? But we don't. (laughs) I mean, that's one of those things we just don't know. I would say other people actually start taking Social Security too early. And then, you know, they, they quickly figure out maybe a year or two into it that they've made a huge mistake. Really, as I mentioned, it, it really depends on your life expectancy as well as all the other assets and income streams that you have, as well as that of, of your spouse and really just how well you've planned for retirement. Because there are different ways to go about taking money out in stages for tax efficiency as well as for growth and that potential to to build the Social Security safety net that you might have waiting for you. So this is a very complicated conversation to make this decision about Social Security and when to take it. And I would strongly advise anybody who's in that boat to uh, reach out to a professional and get some assistance and some direction about that.
0: Kyle, what about the assumption that putting most of your money in bonds
1: creates a safer portfolio? Yeah, so a lot of people don't think about bonds as being risky. But if you believe as I do, which David also believes this, we may be in for a rude awakening when it comes to bonds because, you know, much like we had a real estate bubble a decade ago, we may be uh, on the cusp of uh, of a bond bubble. And a lot of reasons to believe that. Who knows? I mean, if I had the answer to that, then, uh, you know, we'd be famous. But I don't know the answer. I will just tell you that sometimes the interest rate risk involved with bonds can be every bit as volatile as the market risk associated with owning stocks or equities. And you just have to know what you're doing, right? And there are other alternatives to bonds that take less risk and have over a 10 year period a similar return. One of those things that you can use in a portfolio is called a fixed index annuity. And I know what you're thinking, oh crap, annuities, here comes an annuity sales guy. That's not what I'm saying. They are an alternative to bond and a safer alternative to bonds potentially. And it also can potentially give you a similar return given the marketplace for bonds. So these are things that you can consider in a portfolio. And I, again, I mean, it's good to get some advice and talk through this with someone.
0: And then finally, Kyle, you'll probably have to give a little context to what I'm talking about here with this last one. But there's this assumption that taking a lump sum is always the best approach.
1: Yeah, this kind of goes back to the world we used to live in when my father was working, which is uh, most people had a pension, from the defined benefit plan, if you will, defined pension plan from their employer. Right. And so um, what they're trying to tell you is if you are a person who has a pension and your employer is offering you a choice between a lump sum or a monthly payout in your pension, you really should evaluate your options very carefully. Again, there's, there's a math problem here and you need to understand exactly what this means to you and what your options are. We do this a lot for our clients, especially those that are planning for retirement who have a pension. In fact, I did one of these not a month ago. And it was a great opportunity to, to get in there and really understand our clients' needs. And, uh, and we did that. But going back to the point, often the you know, I think you'll find taking the lump sum can be a better solution because it gives you so much more freedom and flexibility to customize the plan that you want for retirement to support your retirement lifestyle in your given situation. And I'll just say that sometimes the pension that you're being offered can actually be good enough that it can't be beaten by anything a financial advisor can show you. Or demonstrate to you in terms of investment options. And some of those pension plans from Ford and GM from years past and other industries, uh, manufacturing industries, man, I'm telling you, they're amazing. And you can actually see this in the press on a regular basis that a lot of those manufacturing entities are working really hard to scale back those benefits and renege on some of them that they provided their employees many years ago because those employees are living for a really long time. So, Do the math, get somebody to help you with it and make a good decision before you decide lump sum or or monthly payout.
0: So Kyle, so many of these statements we've talked through today on the show, I feel like you keep coming back to this idea that it really just all depends on your unique situation. You need to get somebody who can help you work through your situation to find out the correct course of action for you, the best plan of action. What does it look like when folks reach out to your firm? What do you have to offer?
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, we're going to sit down and listen. That is what we do. We're going to ask a lot of questions, and we're going to listen. We're going to collect a lot of information. As long as you're comfortable sharing with that information with us, we're we're going to do that and come up with something that's unique and and customized for your specific financial needs for retirement. And uh, we have lots of sophisticated tools uh, and software to help us with that, plus our own individual knowledge and uh, and just knowing what questions to ask. And uh, you'd be amazed at what. 30 minutes can get you in terms of a, of a plan for your retirement future. And of course, we don't charge anything for that initial visit and uh, more than happy to do it. People take advantage of that opportunity. And of course, there's never any pressure, at least not from this organization. We'll call and follow up with you periodically. But, you know, that's it. If you're not interested in working with us, that is perfectly fine. We're just glad we were able to help.
0: And, of course, if you'd like to reach out to the team at Mach 1 Financial Group, you can do so by calling 479-876-2100. That's 479-876-2100. Call that number right now. Get on the calendar to come in and meet with the team at Mach 1 Financial Group. It's that simple. Just call 479-876-2100. That's 479-876-2100. Like we talked about on today's podcast, so many of the things that we talk about really all come down to your unique situation. The team at Mach 1 Financial Group is well-equipped to help you think through some of the questions that you may have about your own retirement All you have to do right now is pick up that phone, call 479-876-2100. That's 479-876-2100. Well, Kyle, we've enjoyed having you back on the program today, and we look forward to doing it again. Hey,
1: Mark. I can't wait till the next time, and uh, look forward to talking to you in the very near future, my
0: friend. We'll see you right back here next time on another edition of the Mach 1 Market Moment. Advisory services offered through Fusion Capital Management, which is registered as an investment advisor with the SEC and only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission and does not imply that the advisor has achieved a particular level of skill or ability. Please consult your financial advisor as many financial and insurance products have associated fees. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss.